fly ball, deep left field. And the Royals 30-30 club begins with Bobby Witt Jr. Alrighty, y'all. Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep up to date on all things Kansas City Royals, go visit royalsreview.com. You can also find them on Twitter and on Facebook. But hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that our Twitter has all the Royals news you need at Royal Rundown Pod. You can also find even more analysis and news on our TikTok. Both of those are at Royal Rundown Pod. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, please do so. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and questions and answers. If you respond to the Q&A, we will read your response on air in the following episode. So, y'all, in the last episode, we asked you, the Royals look like a better team in September. What are your takeaways from it? Are you hopeful at all? Rupert responded, on the pitching side, the team needs to hit on hometown pitching. Offensively, the team must improve their on-base skills, score on a consistent basis. It is hard to uh, disagree with that analysis, Rupert. Plus, y'all, I'm going to put this out there. On the poll, I went a little bit in left field. I don't think we talked about this in the actual episode, but I asked. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said betting directly on MLB broadcasts will be coming, quote, at some point. Do you agree with this? Hey, Jeremy, you're going to like these options that I gave. So... We got one vote on yes, but is it necessary, question mark. We got no votes on love this. We got one vote on no, but whatever, I guess. And then the rest of the votes were on shameless MLB money grab. Mm -hmm. So I think we kind of have a a demographic in our our listener base. I I heard, I don't remember, I swear this was a very interesting take given by somebody it might have been Craig Calcaterra but I don't remember um a few years ago uh as betting was coming into baseball for the first time uh this person predicted that baseball was going to go the way of boxing in that it was going to continue to be a professional sport it was going to continue to draw interest from gamblers but that it would kind of fall out of the uh the public consciousness because boxing used to be a very big sport nationally and eventually it just kind of became a better sport a sport that only only people who gambled cared about um <laughs> and and i have seen nothing in the time since reading that prediction that convinces me that that isn't going to happen that's true that's true i think the um or i would hope that the rules changes were um, something to try and steer away from that ultimate fate, but only time will tell on that. We're still in the first uh, first year of the of the rule changes, and I'm interesting to see if they play a big part in the upcoming postseason. By the way, you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at the Caius. That is H O K I U S. Plus, we have a very sweet guest with us today. Uh, she is my lovely wife, but you can just call her honey. How you doing, honey? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Well, hey, I just want to make this clear. We will talk about Zach Granke later on this week. Okay? We're recording another episode on Wednesday. We're recording this right now on Sunday morning between the season finale for the Royals and Sunday Night Football with the Chiefs. We figured 
hey, we don't want to be doing this at midnight and uh, doing a half-assed job, for lack of better terms. So let's go ahead and knock this out and give it our best shot. Before we get on with the show, here is a word from our sponsors. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown Podcast. Jake Milham here with Jeremy Greco and Honey. So, Jeremy, it is uh, we were giving Preston Farr some crap for his uh, possible jinx of the Bobby Witt Jr. 33. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was a long time coming, but it finally happened. Bobby Baseball banged his 30th bomb this uh, this Friday against the New York Yankees. Super happy to uh, to see it happen. It came in the seventh inning off of Yankees reliever Kenyon Middleton. And, hey, he's the first one to ever do it. He is the first player or first Royal, excuse me, to record a 30 homer, 30 stolen base season. And I have to I call him stealing a base last night, but he is one stolen base away from a 30-50 season, which would uh, which would be very very uh, pretty pretty dang cool if you ask me for from the Royals. Um, Jeremy, I want to I want to get your your thoughts on this. How how does this how does this validate? Bobby Wood Jr. In, in your eyes? Like, is he, is this the superstar or is this a fluke? Let me quote a tweet for you from uh, the Kansas City Royals account on uh, September 29th, uh, their, their X account, their Twitter account. Bobby Witt Jr. is one of five players in Major League history to record a combination of 30 homers and 49 steals in a season, joining Eric Davis, Barry Bonds, Mike Trout, and Ronald Acuna Jr. That that is the I, I've made fun in the past of like how baseball uh, analysts and teams can really just nitpick stats and be like, oh, against left-handers on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. You know that kind of stuff. This is not that. This is he's stealing bases. He's hitting home runs. And this combination of speed and power has has only been seen four times in history. And Eric Davis, Barry Bonds, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr. is some serious company to be in. Um, I, is is Eric Davis in the Hall of Fame? I forget. Ooh, let, let me look that up. Keep going. I'll but, tell you. Uh, but Mike Mike Trout gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. And Ronald Acuna Jr., very likely to me, it's hard to predict a Hall of Fame career this early, this young a career, but I would not be surprised at all to find that he was a Hall of Famer when all is said and done. So even if Eric Davis was not a Hall of Famer, do you, do you have that? He's not? Okay. So three out of four ain't bad. Um and Eric Davis is is he may not be a Hall of Famer, but he's in the he's in that conversation, or else we wouldn't have to ask the question and look it up, yeah. right? No one no good. one asked was Mike Sweeney a Hall of Famer. We know he yeah. he was very good, but he was not a Hall of Famer. Uh, no one no one has to ask if George Brett was a Hall of Famer. He's already we all know he was. I, I don't know why I mentioned that. It's it seems natural. It doesn't have anything to do with my point. Anyway, <laughs> back to what I was talking about, which is that. Uh, this is some seriously elite company that that Bobby Baseball, as uh, Rex likes to call him, is in. And uh, 
it, it matters. These are these stats matter. This combination matters. Um, this is not nitpicking. This is not fun with endpoints. This is an elite player playing at an elite level. And remember, his defense has been elite this year, too. He's been mm-hmm. near the top of defensive run saves, sometimes at the top of defensive run saved all year long. Um, this is, this is, it, this is for real. This is a superstar. It's happening right now in front of our faces. We need to be happy, excited about it, enjoy it as much as we can, because it's not going to happen very often. And, uh, John Sherman and company need to extend him this off season it has yeah. to happen this off season. I'm going to go ahead and stake it out. Now, if it doesn't happen this off season, I doubt that it ever happens because the price tag is just going to go up from here. Exactly. Like imagine, imagine if they had extended him like last season, they probably could have gotten a pretty good discount. Yeah. If they even no, like, I, I, I do have to admit that last off season, I was advocating against extending him Ooh, because okay. I wasn't sure that the superstar potential was ever going to actually come out and play. Gotcha. Um, and, and, so that's my bad, I guess. I didn't see this one coming necessarily. But but yeah, so I don't necessarily blame them for not signing him to the extension last offseason, but it has got to happen this offseason, especially with all this, as, as, as re- people have repeatedly pointed out, with the shenanigans around the stadium stuff. If the team wants to get some positive, uh, positive in a positive news cycle to, to get some support for that new stadium, this is what it's going to take. Yeah. And I think I think we'll certainly be talking about a Bobby Wood Jr. extension, whether or not it happens this offseason. Um, just trying to like map that out because that is going to be a massive, massive contract that will I can one hundred percent say if that extension happens, it will be the largest in Kansas City Royals history. That is a, that's my yeah. Opinion. It's it's going to shatter that seventy million dollar record. It is. It's it's going to blow it out of the water. But we'll talk about that more later on. Um, let's see some more tidbits surrounding this uh, this milestone. Witt is just the second player in MLB history with 30 home runs and 49 steals at the age of 23 or younger, joining Mike Trout, who did it in 2012 at the age of 20. So that is another cool thing. I will say this, though, Jeremy, the... Um, the sad parallel that runs with this is Carlos Beltran was the closest player to yeah. get to the 30-30 season. He had 29 homers and 35 stolen bases back in 2002, and then the Royals went and even traded him are, instead of extending him. Are you familiar with the circumstances surrounding that trade? Are you truth, old enough to remember told, that? No. Truth be told, okay, no. so Allard Baird had a deal done to extend Carlos Beltran. It was done. Beltron had agreed. The Royals were happy with it. All right. Uh, he took it to David Glass and said, this is cool. This is what we negotiated. He's happy with it. We're happy with it. And David Glass said, take it back to him. I don't remember what the exact numbers were, uh, but he said, take it back to him and knock a million dollars off of it. A million dollars. Oh, my gosh. He, on, on this team that appreciated into a billion dollar profit for him. He wanted to knock a million dollars off of a superstars contract extension. And I oh. do, that number is, that's the real number. It was $1 million. 
Um, and Beltron rightfully felt uh, a little underappreciated, a little jerked around and said, you know what? I don't think I will sign an extension. Thanks anyway. <laughs> and so then the Royals were forced to trade him. Gotcha. Well, you know what? That, that, that makes complete sense to me. I would, I wouldn't sign a deal after right? having it um, taken back in that manner. That's uh, that's crazy. I, I've literally been, not literally that experience, but I've been in a very similar experience where I was interviewing with a company. I was very excited about, was very excited about the job I would be doing. And they handed me the offer and said, by the way, we know that we've been negotiating with you this whole time and said, this is a remote position. It's not, you're going to have to come into the office. And if I, I, at that time, I might've considered it had that been from the start. But when you change the terms that late in the game like that, no, uh, you have you've shown your hand to me that you do not respect me. You do not respect my time. And and I'm out of here. And and so, yeah, I run 120 percent with Beltron there. <laughs> I think uh, I think my lovely wife agrees. Know that. your worth, then add tax. <laughs> we love it. We love it. All right. Well. Hey, that uh, like you said, Jeremy, that value is only going to rise mm-hmm. for Bobby Witt Jr. this off season. So very interested to see how the team does, but it is that's all going to be speculation. You can't take away what he has done this year. Nope. He had a pretty slow start, which I would say helped the folks who worried about his superstar potential. Mm-hmm. But man, since like late May, he's just been he was. I will say this. I don't know if there is a single non-team move that looks as bad for the Royals as Salvador Perez being the team's all-star selection instead of Bobby. Yeah. It's not the first time that sort of thing has happened. One of the, one of the quote unquote issues with the all-star game is that it does favor name recognition What that fan vote does uh, what the league vote does is favor name recognition But at the same time, that's how you end up with guys like Miguel Cabrera on his last season showing up to the All-Star game, which is, and really, honestly, that's what the All-Star game is for, is is for fans to to see guys that they care about. Um, And so it's hard to say that it's wrong to do things the way that they're doing them. And I'm not really sure what the solution would be because you could start breaking it up into all kinds of categories. Like here are the old guys that you still remember their names, even though they don't really deserve to be here anymore. And are here are the young enough- the fans don't care about Bobby baseball. Well, they didn't, they didn't know. <laughs> they don't, they, the problem is that they don't know what they haven't seen. And they haven't seen Bobby Witt Jr. Cause he plays for, the Kansas City Royals who were bad and he wasn't great to start the year. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's just how it happens. He just didn't have the name recognition. He will be an all-star in 2024. Uh, there's my next bold prediction for Ooh. you. I like it. It's I very like bold. It. No one, no one believes this, but me, I'm the only one. Definitely. It, it's about as bold as blonde <laughs> roast coffee. <laughs> But since so since late May, I mean, he's been on a tear in 866 OPS. The strikeout rate has fallen to crazy low levels. I think that's something that we need to talk about a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. 13.7% between now and late May. That is the 
crazy rate. Weighted runs created plus up to 129. Go ahead, Jeremy. The the strikeout drop is just that is that is killer for other teams. Um, you you can't count on Bobby Witt Jr. to get himself out anymore. Um, and, and that I think is a, a huge part of of this surge is that Bobby Witt Jr. You, if you want Bobby Wood Jr. out, you're going to have to to do that somehow. He's not going to do it for you anymore, and and that's huge. It is. It's massive. Um, in the second half alone, Bobby Wood Jr. has a 901 OPS with 16 homers. That is a, a great, great half split. I will certainly take that. Um, I'm just glad he got that 30th home run. It was. It had been a long time coming. I think it was only his third homer in the month of September. Like we were just hovering around that mark for so long. So it's, it's not unusual just to be clear that for players to kind of be sapped of power in September, yeah, yeah. it is a long season. We've seen this time and time again. Um, you know, guys like Mark McGuire were absolutely the exception with hitting double digit home runs in September. Um, we saw this with Mike Moustakis. We saw it with Jorge Soler. We saw it with Salvador Perez when they were breaking home run records for the Royals. Um, that that last month is just really a slog. And guys will turn it back up in October because the adrenaline and because you know you're sa- you, maybe you're saving a little something in September to to get there. But um, also, there's a lot more days off in October, which can help too. But yeah, so. Don't don't look at Bobby Witt Jr. hitting three home runs in September and be like, oh no, this was all a mirage. Everything's going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. But speaking of someone who has turned it up at just the right time in September, uh, that has to be Edward Olivares. Mm-hmm. I mean, that man was so I was I was pulling up an old piece that I did. I think it was in late August for Kings of Kaufman. I was trying to get a jump start on the offseason stuff. And I put out three players who have been a disappointment for the Royals. And Edward Olivares was was on there. And I was going through his write-up. I was like, man, like so much, so many of these metrics have changed just off of his September. It was uh he's been doing some crazy stuff. Let me let me read you off some of this stuff. All right. So in, in September alone. He his strikeout rate has dropped to 16.4%. The walks are up to 8.2%. A slugging north of a thousand, 1.034, and weighted runs created plus of 178. That is across 73 plate appearances in the month of September. It is he has been on an absolute tear. I yeah. can't I can't take that away from him. But golly, man, I just I can't look at that and say I I want him on the Royals forty man next year yeah. just because the glove has been so bad. And I get it; it's probably going to come down to a choice between Edward Olivares and Nelson Velasquez. I think, and I think we all know who wins that. Yeah, exactly. But I I do want to ask you in light of his hot. September and returning to the team from the minors, does this make Olivares a favorite to be on the 40 man roster in your opinion? Or do you think he's going to be gone? I predicted a couple of three, some number of weeks ago, not a large number, but a number 
that Edward Oliveris was going to get traded this offseason. I still think that's true. I don't think there's room for him on this roster. You've got Nelson Velasquez. You've got uh, Drew Waters, Kyle Isabel. Uh, MJ Melendez has to play somewhere. Um, and so, and, and I'm not sure DH works for him because you've got Salvador Perez and Freddie Fermin that you're both trying to get some at-bats. Yep. And first base is hopefully going to be retaken by Vinny Pasquatino, so you can't just shove Salvi over there anymore. Uh, so I think that there's just not room for him. Oh, there's also, excuse me, Tyler Gentry down in the minors, John Ray, yes. a couple other guys that they might want to take a look at. There's just not room for Edward Olivares on this roster. Um, hopefully this surge means that the Royals can trade him for mm-hmm. something real instead of a bag of baseballs. But um, I, I'm not actually holding my breath on that either, just because the defense is such a problem and the sample size is still pretty small. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about like the hard hit ball metrics, even when he was hitting well in the past, have not been great. I don't know what they are in September, um, but he um, yeah. he's it feels like he gets a lot of weak home runs, and you just have to worry that. Or in the past, not necessarily now. Um, he his he hits home runs. He'll have like a two home run game, but the home runs will both be like ninety two milers, which isn't a bad exit velocity, but it's not one that you expect to result in home runs very frequently. Um, so I, I I don't know what other teams will pay for him. I just don't think there's room for him on this roster. Um, I think he's also arbitration eligible. So the Royals mm-hmm. probably don't want to pay him arbitration money. So hopefully they can trade him, get a little something for him. Probably not much, but I, otherwise they're probably just going to have to DFA him. I just, there's just not room. Yeah, I was, I, I put out an article talking about the, called it the curious case of Edward Olivares. Mm-hmm. And this was about midway through September. So I wasn't putting a whole lot of stock into what he was doing. Um, I predicted that they should non-tender him, which you just don't, you don't offer him a contract to see what else right. he could do. Because I mean, listen, folks, he's, he's 27 years old. He is, I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but that still makes him the oldest outfielder on this team. Which and is, we're not we're not talking about competing next year. We're talking about competing two or three years from now when he's pushing exactly. 30. Yep. So I do I think that he belongs in Major League Baseball? Yes, I, I think he does. But if the Royals can't find a good suitor for him who's willing to, you know, just take him on and throw them on throw him on their 40 man roster and bring him up whenever they need him, that's cool. The, I don't think the Royals really have that luxury heading into 2024. I, there is there's a pretty big 40 man crunch yeah. coming between Rule Five draft eligible folks, and you you still have to add players and free agency. If we if we want, have this, to. don't yeah, have don't to. tell JJ Piccolo he has to add somebody in free agency, <laughs> or else he'll be dragging his feet on that too. But here's here's my point. If we if we push to keep Edward Olivares, that is doing two things. Or sorry, if we as a fan base push to keep Edward Olivares, that is doing two things in my mind. Number one, that is only holding back the farm system even more mm-hmm. because the Royals aren't going to see that they have to invest in a certain position. Because if they have a log jam, 
at the major league level, then why are they going to invest even more? And then plus that's also settling for the ceiling that Edward Olivares provides. Even after this really hot September, he's a 0.4 war player. Like that's not very good. And that's not what you want to see 105 games of. Yeah, I I wrote an article recently. I think this might be the latest one I wrote because I didn't have time to write one this weekend, unfortunately, um, where I talked about the perception problem, the difference between how the Royals see their roster and how the fans see the roster. And the what I concluded basically was that the Royals have a bunch of major league talent on this roster, which is different from the early odds. Those teams didn't have major league talent. Um, the problem is that these are all like borderline guys. These are all guys who should be seven, eight, nine hitters and they're batting them fourth and fifth because that's all they have. Um, right. And so I focused on Michael Massey. Edward Olivares fits into that category very well. Also where it's just like, yeah, he deserves to be on a major league roster somewhere, but he can't be, your cleanup hitter. He can't. Mm-hmm. That he's, he, he makes sense as like a designated hitter in your six or seven hole when you've got a lot of really good hitting fielders around him. Um, and that's just not the Royals. And the Royals need to be looking for higher ceiling guys. You know, if they want to keep a Michael Massey, which I think they do, I think they really like him. And he shows flashes. And I know we, it feels like we talk about him every week now. Um, because I'm always defending him and you're always like, ah, I don't know about this. Um, <laughs> but if they want to keep a Michael Massey, they can't keep an Edward Olivares and a Drew Waters and a Nick Prado. They've got to upgrade somewhere. Uh, and and hopefully that's what their evaluation this year has shown them is like, yeah, okay, Edward Olivares, major league hitter, but he's not he's not a good enough major league hitter to be a core player. Um, We got to go find some core players and that means letting some guys go. Yep. And that's, this is all a part of being more transactional. This is what Royals fans want. So we, hopefully we will be seeing the results of that. And then, you know, maybe, maybe next year we see some progression two, three years down the line, hoping, hopefully we will be seeing the rewards of being more transactional. Now we'll see that down the road. All right. Hey, you brought up Michael Massey. We are going to take a quick ad break coming up on the other side. We will be talking about Michael Massey, Dylan Coleman, plus stay tuned for our Royals review reviews. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals rundown podcast. So Jeremy, you're right. We do talk about Michael Massey a lot on this, uh, on the <laughs> podcast. And there's, I, there's good reason for that. Like you said, he shows flashes and he's kind of one of these friend, is he a core player? Is he a role player? Like, where does he fit into the long-term plan? But just for 2023, his first full season at the major league level, um, congratulations. He was named the Mike Swanson good guy. Um, the award is voted on by the Kansas City Baseball Writers Association and presented to the player who best exemplifies a cooperative spirit with the beat writers who cover the team. So how, Jeremy, how big do we think that association is? Is it like that was that was my first thought when I saw that tweet was how many, how many people are in that? Um, And there's probably a fair number of people because at the start, you know, you have, you don't just have your beat writer. You have a bunch of people who kind of float across all of the sports. Mm -hmm. Um, Pete Grathoff, 
uh, Blair Kirkhoff. Um, so, so those guys are probably in there too. And that's, that's probably where the voting comes from. But uh, I, it, it was just kind of a funny award to me. I'm like, they have the, in the spirit of working with the beat writers, how many, how many beat writers did you have again? Uh, so, you know, um, cool. Glad for him. I'm glad for the writers to feel like they have a guy they can go talk to who's, who's, yeah. who's cooperative and works with them on that stuff. Um, it's always nicer to deal with people who are nice. Uh, it, it does give you kind of a little hope. It's certainly no Roberto Clemente award, but it does yeah, make I, you feel I, like I, ah, Michael Massey might be, a, he might be an okay guy. Yep. That, that he might. And there's, we're, we're on the outside looking in on all this stuff. So it's always cool to see like, Hey, how do people, how are they going to put their money where their mouth is and vote in a sense? And you know what, Michael Massey, good for you. I guess they probably have guys like Josh Vernier and maybe, oh, yeah. maybe yeah, the radio maybe guys probably Besto has like a, like an honorary membership after all the fiasco back in the aughts with his um, media credentials. I didn't, I didn't learn about that one until yeah. recently, truth be told. That sounds like it would have been a hell of a time to, uh, to hear about when it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, congratulations to Michael Massey. Plus, we'll, we'll talk about all the other award winners um, at a later date. Kind of want to get – so the Royals put out their minor league awards. I want to see how it shakes out for the major league awards as well before we sit down and talk about that because that uh, – that can really, uh, really change things and kind of see, okay, these are, these are the organization picking folks. We'll see how it goes. Jeremy, you brought up the Roberto Clemente award. Here is your episodic reminder to go vote for Salvador Perez. Um, you can vote for him on MLB.com for the Roberto Clemente award. It is, um, I don't believe, I can't remember the last time the Royals had a Clemente award. Winner. I don't think it's been in my lifetime, or at least not my fandom's lifetime. That's yeah. Um, let's see. According to the to the website, the Clemente Award annually recognizes the MLB player who best represents the game through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive contributions, both on and off the field. So that is. That sounds like a pretty good, pretty good award to even just be in the running for. So please go help Salvador Perez win that award. Go for it on MLB.com. All right, Jeremy, let's go ahead and pivot to a pitcher who we have not seen in the major leagues for a while, but we have seen him on social media recently. Dylan Coleman. Dylan um, Coleman. Yep the the fireballer who had a uh, who had a pretty so so. 2023 season, unfortunately. I, I, I don't think I would even go so far as to call it so so. It was kind of a disaster, really. Yeah, okay. You got me. You got me. Oh, but listen, it um yeah, it was it was a pretty a pretty rough 2023. We I think it was him and Jonathan Heasley that we expected a lot of big things from this season, and neither yeah. one of them really materialized. Um, Coleman started off the year on the 26-man roster, got demoted, got promoted again, then got demoted in late August, I want to say, is uh, the last time we saw him. And listen, he's uh, he's got to go back to the drawing board, in a sense, and he's done that by going to Tread Athletics. 
Now, here's uh, here's two points that I want to make clear. Number one, Tread Athletics is the same place that Cole Reagans went to, that yep. uh, Reagans really attributes a lot of his arsenal improvement and changes to. So Especially the velocity that, increase. Exactly. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second because uh, it's pretty uh, – we're already seeing a little bit with, with Dylan Coleman. So definitely, I think that's that's really cool when these different training centers are getting some word of mouth business from other players. So that means that they have a good reputation with the Royals organization, I would imagine. But secondly, you talked about the velocity increases. We're in their drills. We're already seeing that. So Coleman came in and uh, he did what's called their, their pull down drill which is essentially you do the pitching motion after a like two kick steps i think is the way to uh to put it like when you're when you get ready to throw something really far you know how you like shuffle your feet and your body forward and then throw it right they do that they do that in the in the training facility and he did that he got 106 miles per hour on his throw that set the record for dread athletics, which is crazy. But I want to, I want to point this out because I am a driveline conspiracy guy, right? Less, less than a year ago, Dylan Coleman did that same drill for driveline and his peak was 102.7 miles per hour. So, and that was great. That's yeah. the, the, the great mark. I'm not saying I can go and do but you're, you're telling me that even after a pretty bad MLB season, Dylan Coleman can go in to a different facility and post that much of an improvement on his fastball velocity, which I think, I think that's crazy. And after all the issues that we've seen this season with driveline pitchers, I think it's interesting that we're seeing more pitchers go over the tread out. Yeah, uh, Tread Athletics definitely has the positive press train running right now. Um, Cole Reagan's kind of their poster boy. Some people I know are like, oh, no, September hasn't been as good. The sky is falling. He's still been really good, everybody. He's still been really good. One of the things that kind of drives me nuts about baseball um, is think about Albert Pujols for a second. When he played for the Cardinals, uh, Mm -hmm. we're going on a rabbit trail. Just follow. Um, when Albert Pujols comes into town, we're like, oh no, Albert Pujols, he's going to kick our butts. He's so scary. But when you're a Cardinals fan, because baseball is a game of failure where you don't get on base more than half of the time, they're like, ah, well, I mean, he's good. His numbers are good, but I, I, you don't ever feel that. I think we see that with Bobby Witt Jr. too, where a lot of people were like, well, does he suck now in September? Because he only hit three home runs. Every other fan base sees Bobby Witt Jr. coming, and they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. But because we see him all the time, that familiarity breeds a little bit of contempt. Um, So, yeah, Cole Reagan's still really good, okay? He can't be elite all the time. He can't pitch 30 straight shutout innings and only five hits allowed all the time. Can't do it. No one can. Um. What you look for is for the floor to still be really good. This, if this is the floor, it's still really good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Cole Reagan's is, is is boosting their their profile a little bit. I I kind of have to wonder if Dylan Coleman went okay. This guy certainly turned things around when he went there, and and like driveline didn't really help me. Um, so then he went there. 
to check them out and, and maybe he even got a recommendation from from reagan's as a teammate i don't know but yeah so it's it's good to see him continue working there's still there's a lot he's got such good stuff 100 mile an hour fastball when it's working when he's got the velocity that we expect him to have um, that slider can be a killer if he can mm-hmm. control it just a little bit more than he has. Um, so if he can, he he's, it feels like he, um, Alec Marsh, a couple other guys are just so close. Uh, go, go to tread Alex. See what happens. I don't know. Just yeah. see what happens. Um, <laughs> I, I'm suddenly advertising for them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Fingers crossed this is going to turn into something because if Dylan Coleman can turn into a guy, we've got uh, the general uh, MacArthur uh, and we've got, we've got a uh, Carlos Hernandez has turned into a tire fire, unfortunately. So we don't have him to count on. Um, But, you know, Taylor Clark has looked good at times. Colin Snyder has looked good at times. Stephen Cruz has looked good at times. There's, there's guys who are doing some things that it doesn't take much to fix a bullpen to make a bullpen workable. Um, and, and so if Dylan Coleman could turn back into a guy that, that could be really meaningful for the 2024 Royals. Yes, that, that it could. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, we'll hit the off season, these players and these training facilities, they'll start trickling out, you know, videos and highlights and stuff like that. So I, I always enjoy seeing those trying to kind of speculating like, oh, well, can you do this in a game and things like that? So, but for right now, kudos to Dylan Coleman for, uh, for going in and setting that record for tread athletics. And I hope that this is a sign of more good things to come. And uh, also again, kudos to the Royals for, if not outright encouraging, then being very supportive of players going to these outside sources to try and improve. Um, it it could be really easy to be like, no, we have our coaches. You have to do things our way. And I, the Royals have been criticized in the past for being overly rigid with their pitching prospects and causing problems with that. So seeing them take a more, uh, accepting approach, a broader approach, being willing to listen to a lot of sources, um, and find out, figure out what works, um, is, is really encouraging. Mm Mm-hmm. And speaking more on that, we're always plugging Annie Rogers around here. Please go subscribe to the Royals Beat newsletter because she had a really good interview with Brian Sweeney on how, you know, he views the system and what some of the things that they've done differently. So I thought that was a really good read. We can talk about that more later on. But even more more kudos, I guess we could just call this the congratulatory episode. (laughs) You've achieved the end of the season. Good job, everybody. Everyone gets a gold star. (laughs) Well, hey, the only thing better than a gold star would be a postseason berth, I would say. And um, kudos to... Or a Spartan helmet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) We're we're such haters on that helmet. (laughs) Um, Kim Ng is the first woman GM to lead a team to the playoffs. Her um, her Miami Marlins clinched their postseason spot last night. So kudos to uh, kudos to her and kudos to that team. I will say, I don't think, like, I don't know of anyone who's going to be rooting against the Miami Marlins this postseason. Like, they're not, they're not a juggernaut. They're just, they're good. 
they're enjoyable to watch. We'll just see what happens. But I I would be remiss if I didn't point out that that's a very historic thing. I know the Marlins got a lot of uh, a lot of flack for breaking the mold, whether that flack be um, based in what's the word based outside of um, honey. Listen, I don't know. I don't know where you're going. I can't help you. Yes, honey. What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Bias. Yeah. Sex, uh, yeah. there's, there's some sexism, some racism going on. Let me let me read you a, a tweet that I saw this morning. I sent you earlier. Um, this was actually I saw this. Jared Perkins retweeted it so he could point out that she was the first woman GM to take a team to the postseason. Um, but uh, this this account, I'm not going to give you the name. They don't deserve to be uh, recognized. Said uh, Jake Berger for Jake Etter was the comical overpay of the day. Then Kim Ng outdid herself, shipping off Khalil Watson when his value was lowest. You can't do a league office token higher and expect competent results. Let me just let me just talk to you for a second about Jake Berger. Jake Berger, uh, in the first half of the season for the White Sox, had a 1.4 uh, FWAR, a 113 WRC plus. Pretty good, not amazing. Yeah. Pretty good uh, for Miami. Uh, in 52 games, 88 games before, 52 games after the trade, uh, he has a 134 WRC plus and a 1.3 FWAR. He's oh been basically God. as valuable for the Marlins in two thirds the time, three fifths the time, uh, as as uh, as he was for the White Sox. Wow, um, that that trade did work. People love to jump to conclusions. Um, everything. Not every, I mean, everything isn't going amazing, but things are looking up in Miami. Uh, they're they're going to the postseason. I think for, I think the I saw fifth time in franchise history. That's all. Um, they've only been around for since the the nineties. I want to say they have I, not. They're yeah. a very young franchise. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a good time to be a Marlins fan, I guess. Except for you know the home run sculpture is not there anymore, which is a huge bummer. Can you imagine that home run sculpture? In the postseason, so cool. <laughs> Would have loved it. Bummer, but yeah. So people out there, they they, they just assume that a woman or uh, a non-white person can't handle it. Uh, yeah, they they can. It's fine. There's mm-hmm. there's smart people of all races, genders, etc. Yep, can't uh, can't agree more. And I, I will say this about the home run sculpture that that thing would have more cutaways than Taylor Swift at a Chiefs. <laughs> that would be hard to do. <laughs> that would that would. I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out the over under on cutaways for tonight's Sunday night game. I want to say go for it. I was just I was very surprised to discover that she's going to be at tonight's game. I kind of mm-hmm. thought that the 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 game the bears game was going to be kind of like an outlier because she's she's very busy she's she's very popular and just to be like known where she's going to be every sunday would be a lot but apparently she's going to be there tonight and i'm i'm just like this must be getting serious around here like (laughs) uh, you showing up two football games in a row oh i don't know there's there's some talk that it's a publicity stunt (laughs) for who it ain't for her. It's, she don't I need any more publicity. She's she's one of the biggest superstars no, in the world. Oh, come on. She I mean, 
and I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I have met her. She's the sweetest person. But, like, she always finds a way to stay relevant. Uh, fair enough. I did see yeah. that. Uh, I saw a headline that Kim Kardashian has been seen hanging out with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, and I saw, I believe it was Micah Parsons said the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing means, man, athletes, boys, we got to go out and shoot our shots, is what he was saying. He's like, <laughs> yeah. we got to go ask out these pop stars. It could totally happen. Um, so maybe this is becoming a trend. Maybe that's what this is all for, was just I'm to set off a trend of football players dating stuff. pop stars. I want it to be true, but there, there's talk. There's talk. One of my favorite things before Taylor showed up to the game against the Bears, I'm sorry, we're, we're derailed now. You did this to yourself, really. Yeah. Um, was a, I saw a TikTok of a woman who did like, it was like a three-minute conspiracy theory about how Taylor Swift is a huge Eagles fan, knows Jason Kelsey, and so she is dating Travis Kelsey so she can dump him uh, right before the Super Bowl, which will apparently be a repeat of the Chiefs and Eagles. And so Travis Kelsey will be too distraught to uh, to perform at his highest level in the Super Bowl. Her conspiracy theory actually went so far as to be like, but then he'll go into halftime and Patrick Mahomes, his true, uh, his one true love, his his real um, his real soulmate, will be like, no, it's going to be okay, Travis. Get it together. We got to win this. And they'll come back and win the Super Bowl. So it'll still, it, it'll be okay. Even if, if Taylor dumps him to try and make the Eagles win the Super Bowl, everyone. I just want you to know. And then they'll all bust out in song. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, it's just high school musical in here with Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Instead, we love it. All right, y'all. Hey, let's... <laughs> We are, we are ending this derailment. We are ending this derailment by going to the final segment of the show. <laughs> it is time for the Royals Review Reviews. Um, honey, I did not tell you that we are doing this, so you better figure out something on the, on the fly. Good luck with your ADHD riddled mind. Um, <laughs> we are, let's, let, hey, Jeremy, start us off, man. What you got? All right. Uh, I, this past weekend, uh, one of my friends came over and brought his copy of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, uh, which I got to tell you, I loved the first uh, Miles Morales animated Spider-Man movie. I cannot remember what that one's called uh, for some reason. Um, I can't either. But it was it was really good. It was great. This one is 10 times better. I didn't believe it was possible. Um, one of the really cool things is that in the first movie, they came out, they came up with kind of a visual trick to make the animation look like comic book pages, which was really cool. And it was fun and it was neat. It was also the really the only animation trick that kind of had, and they just leaned on it for the entire movie. But that's fine. You know, you come up with a trick like that, then, then use it and and celebrate it and cool. So, and then the question for the sequel is, well, what can you do from here? Are you just going to do the same thing? You got anything more? They had so much more. Uh, they they brought in, there's so many different animation styles happening in this movie because it's another uh, multiverse movie, right? Um, as that's been the trend lately. 
and there's so many different animation styles. They even made, they put in some live action stuff. They had clips from Tobey Maguire and yeah. Garfield. They had a, they had a special cameo that I'm not going to spoil. That was really cool. Um, but it all, it looked like it fit. This was not Roger Rabbit where like every, like that movie works. It's fine. But like the cartoons in the real life, they don't fit. Right. right. This fit. You were like, okay, that's live action, but it also somehow fits here. Um, and all of the different Spider-Men were animated differently because they're all from different universes. They did some really cool things with color and animation to signal stuff that even if you're not paying attention for it, you can feel it as an audience member. Um, mm-hmm. Just fantastic stuff. And of course, the story out of this world. Great. Um, the only downside to this movie is that uh, it is the first part of a two parter and it ends on a cliffhanger. And wow. as I said, when I wrote about Dune last off season, whenever that came out, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say, you know, this, it's hard to, to be fully say, yep, this, this, you got to watch this. This is for real without knowing how it ends. Um, yeah. So I, I think that this pushes the mold a little bit. Whereas I was like, I can't really judge Dune at all until I see the second half. I feel like this is so good that you can still say, yeah, you should probably watch this. Um, mm-hmm. Even if the second half isn't as good, but, but I have no reason to believe that it won't be. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to whenever that is going to happen. And I just, before I, I leave and let uh, Katie here have her say, I do have to point out that in a world where the MCU and the DCEU we're like, we're bringing the multiverse. It's happening. We're throwing all the money in the world at it. We're, we're breaking this mold. We're doing this. It's going to be so cool. The best multiverse movies have been Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is not associated with either of those. And, and everything everywhere all at once, which is not even in the same ballpark. <laughs> So it's just yeah. like the MCU is like, we're doing the multiverse and everyone else is, and, and then spider into the spider verse and everywhere, everywhere, all everything, everywhere, all at once are like, yeah, uh, try and keep up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm sorry. Everything everywhere all at once was very much worth the, it is, it exceeds the hype. Yep. Okay, you, need to, you, you need to go watch that if you haven't already. I, hey, I did that hey. one as a Royals review earlier. And I, I, I made, maybe I should just every episode, I should just be like, by the way, Go watch everything everywhere all at once. It is one of the best movies for so many like textual and metatextual reasons. Um, and you have to, you have to watch it. You have to, no, there's no option here. You have to. Yep. Well, Hey, I am, I'm going to go ahead and review since, uh, since my lovely wife currently has a, Oh, are, are you oh no, uh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Jacob. Abort. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna derail us with my review and go back wow. to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Yes, which is a ten out of ten. Who's driving the bus? That, that's my review. Which is tra- <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Twenty out of ten. I can't wait to see what happens. They would have beautiful things. You know. I was about halfway through last Sunday's game. I was like, I am so tired of the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff already, but I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. I'm turned around. I'm doing a 180. Katie has, has no, I'm in. Let's do this. All the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey content. I'm ready. (laughs) We're getting plenty of it here in New York. Trust me. (laughs) 
that team being in the Big Apple with uh, with some of the biggest stars in all of entertainment. And Zach Wilson. Oh, and Zach Wilson, yes, too. Uh, noted <laughs> mother lover. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. Well, hey, for my review, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I had I had something in mind, then I lost it. Gen um, B. What? what? Uh, Gen B. Weren't you watching that this week? Oh yeah, yeah. Gen B. The um. So I. Oh, love- okay. I loved the um, the boys show. I've read some of the comics. I also lo- I love the tone. It's very different. Things like that. They came out with Gen V on Prime Video. I think the first three episodes are out right now. And okay. y'all, it it might be better than the boys. Ooh, that's yeah. I I watch the boys kind of like against my will. Because it is, it is very gory, and that yep. is not really I my cup of tea. My will too. But it's it's been so good that it's been worth it. Tell me, is is Jin V gory like that? It is, there are elements of gore. Okay, so far it's not as bad as the boys. Okay, if that if that well, makes sense. The, the boys isn't always as bad as the boys either, so that doesn't necessarily <laughs> prove anything. That's true, but... and it's. So it definitely pays to know to have like watched through the boys, especially the most recent season, and watch Gen Gen V. Um, but it's not necessary, I would say. Like you can still go into Gen V and not know the boys, and you are getting the storyline so far. Great, great stuff. Um, I definitely think that entertainment leans into this like you know, late teens, early twenties, coming to coming to age sort of story stuff. And that is kind of what, what this is so far, but the motivation behind it is really enjoyable. Um, the acting is really good from several actors and actresses that I don't know yet. So maybe they're doing good stuff in other products, but they're new to me and I enjoy it. Jeremy is practically glowing. Because yeah, I, I, I don't know what's happening here. This, <laughs> normally we record at night. I guess this is when the time of day when the sun is just like, you, you are lit up now. You are the one. But, oh no, I don't want to be the one. <laughs> That's so much pressure. It is. There's a lot of pressure. But yes, yeah, so the first three episodes are out on it. Prime Video. I want to say I saw Rotten Tomatoes put out today, like it's one of their highest ever rated shows, like a ninety six out of oh wow through the first three episodes. So that is uh, that is great to hear. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it. Please go check it out if you're looking for a new watch. Oh, all right, guys. Well, we we made it. We we derailed the we, the tr- the train. We drove the bus off the cliff. But we are uh, we are here. The we have achieved the end of the episode. That we have, just like the Royals are achieving the end of the season. Yeah, there's actually later. a lot of interesting stuff storylines for today. So I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. For sure, and that's why. <clears throat> listen, we know there's a lot of stuff to talk about after today's game. So we want we want to be able to digest all that and give you the listeners the best possible product covering today's game because there's i think there might be some news coming out after today's game that will uh change the 
how we view some of the stuff on Sunday. Mm. So we'll, uh, mm. that that is my prediction. <laughs> yes. All right. But let's uh, hey y'all. Let's go ahead and get on out of here. Get on with our Sunday. Please, please, please. If you are listening to this, please go check us out on Spotify. Respond to our polls. Drop in your answer to our question for this week. You can also keep up with us on on X. It pains me to say that on X at Royal Rundown Pod. You can also find us on TikTok at Royal Rundown Pod. All those links are down here below. Also, one more shout out, one more kudos for the day. Um, Preston Farr put out his updated prospect rankings. You can find his Patreon linked in the episode description below. So uh, go check that out. It is certainly worth your time. Jeremy, have you had a chance to check out those rankings yet? I have not. I did not know they were there. I'm going to have to go find them as soon as we're done here. There you go. There you go. Alrighty, y'all. Hey, Jeremy, thank you for coming on this morning. Honey, thank you for being here. I know you are finishing up your blanket right now. So that is a, that is a good time. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, go Royals. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me.